Hey there, listeners. Please excuse this interruption to your regularly scheduled podcast as we bring you a fun new announcement. Val, Erica, are you ready? I'm here. Uh, Wait, we have an announcement? What's the announcement? Yeah, I really feel like I should know about these things. You guys clearly have had too much to drink. Can we just pull it together and let the listeners know what the surprise is? Oh, 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 are we going to tell them about, um, um, I, I forgot. What are we talking about? Like, like, I've had a lot of drink. <laughs> the new release schedule for drinking with authors. Oh my oh, God, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Tell them. Woo, big news. Our big news is that we have had such an outpouring from fans and from authors out there that if we continue to do our podcast every other week with an author, then we would go way into the future. So instead, we are going to bring you two epic episodes every week on Wednesday and Friday. No, Saturday. What what day is it, Adam? Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday and Saturday. Woo! So you will get to hear two epic episodes. You will have the original episode and the literary briefs episode from the author in the same week for your listening pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. Now we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Okay. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. One of the COVID editions, dun, dun, dun. I say that because <laughs> I think that's made us all write more. Okay, let me start, though, with what I've been drinking. And I say that as an in, in advance. Um, I actually found uh, San Pellegrino that's lemon and menta. I don't know what any of that means, but it tastes really good. Um, and I put organic gin in it like a boss. That is what I'm drinking. Oh, wait. No, I need to do intros first. Okay. <laughs> cool story. She's excited about her drink. Is I boss. am. I'm super excited. I actually put the can next to me so I can remember to say what I was saying. Okay. The, the sultriness of it all. <laughs> yes. Let's go back to being sultry. No. I am your host, Erica Lance, and with me today, co-hosting, is the amazing and slightly embarrassed when we talk about sex... <laughs> Valerie Willis. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the only thing missing the podcast is my face. I call it the Fifty Shades of Red that fit my face can turn. Oh, um, yes. So I've discovered uh, since the quarantine and self isolation has happened that I don't have alcohol in my house. Drizzly is an amazing app. Just in case Drizzly wants to sponsor us, Drizzly will bring alcohol to your door. Just <laughs> FYI. Uh, promotion. I'm still uh, injecting myself with coffee right now, so I'm trying to wake up. So, but that's what I'm drinking. And then with us today is... Hi, uh, I'm Elizabeth Schechter, and uh, well, today I'm drinking, I cracked into a bottle of Stone's Green Ginger Wine that we brought back from Jamaica in 2017. Uh, we've been amazing. saving it for some reason, uh, and you know... <laughs> Being on a podcast is an excellent reason. <laughs> Cheers! Yeah! <laughs> I love that. Uh, now, I write uh, 
science fiction and fantasy romance, erotic romance, and uh, I describe myself as a writer of speculative smut. So I'm going to see how many shades of red I can get Valerie to turn because yes. I can see her. <laughs> yes. No, we can see her. That's actually one of the fun parts of playing with Valerie. <laughs> bang, bang. You see how I did that? Okay. So you write several different genres. That's exciting. That is very, very cool. Um, let's start with what uh, where, bleh, words. Find the words. Word. I'm the word there. Here we go. When did you start writing? I got them all out with a question mark. <laughs> Thank you. I am, um, I'm a stereotype. I started writing when I picked a pencil for the first time. I've been writing basically forever. I sold my first story in 2009. Nice. I did that, I did that decade round up right around the turn of the year and realized my entire writing career happened in the previous decade. Oh, very cool. That is awesome. Okay. So, um, did you, was that uh, mainstream? You said sold it. So I'm assuming you gave it then to somebody. That's mm -hmm. what sold it means. My, I sold, uh, I was started out writing for circlet press, which is, uh, was one of the first publishers of erotic science fiction and fantasy. Uh, they've been around 26, 27 years now, and they were just acquired by Riverdale Avenue Books, so uh, they're no longer an independent. They are now a, a, an imprint, but when I first sold to them, they were independent, and some of the first erotica I'd ever read was from Circlet. So selling to them was a pretty big thing for, for me. No, uh, selling to any publisher, I think, is a big thing yeah, for writers. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it is a cool thing that um, that the, your first publication is one that you were was your first discovery, and now you you have a chance of being that author that someone else first discovers. That's, I love that kind of idea that that happens with something like that. That's mm -hmm. very, very cool. Yeah, And I, uh, I started with them writing short stories. Uh, my the first short story I ever sold to them was a BDSM scene, which was driven by t a tarot reading. As that they was all a lot be. of fun to research. <laughs> uh, and which actually, part of it did you research? I just part, curious. You're not allowed under my bed. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, Have some more wine. We can change that. <laughs> uh, well, just doing the, just doing researching and what would happen with each card because oh. I did the full tarot layout and had them do the reading as if he was doing a full tarot layout to determine what they did next in the scene. That is cool. And it worked and it worked really well. Um, I like tarot, and if you follow yeah. me on social media, I do a, a draw a day on my Twitter, which was scarily accurate during the whole RWA mess, which we could talk about oh, later oh, if you want oh, to. Oh. Um, That's one of Val's favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the tarot secret or the RWA. <laughs> RWA mess. Uh, okay. We need uh, more drinks for that. So, more drinks for that. That's that, that's I, politics. Well, 
going back to writing the short fiction. That was my first sale. And then I sold, yeah, I sold four short stories to them and they said, do you have anything longer? Oh, that's awesome. And I just happened to have had something that was kicked back by Karina Press. And I sent it to them and they bought it. And that was Princes of Air, which is my first novel. Which is based in uh, Celtic mythology and it's the Nine Sons of the Morrigan. Yes. And I actually had a review on that going, gee, I've never heard of this particular myth before, but she does it so well. And I'm like, I made it up. (laughs) (laughs) I made it all up out of whole cloth. Not if you Wikipedia it correctly. It is now a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) A real thing. I'm I'm, I'm a neo-Celtic pagan mythology thing now <laughs> that is brilliant and that would not fit on a business card easily um, <laughs> no no my business card says pervy fetish writer uh, i think val we need to get you new business cards <laughs> oh my god i love that so much okay i like this before alcohol i have no idea what i'll be when i finish this club this cup <laughs> oh, I can't wait, and it will be recorded. Um, so when you started, not I don't think a lot of writers necessarily start into an erotica genre instantly. I, you know, I think um, not that you can't write little sexy stories and stuff, but I don't think that always is the beginning. Um, what made you choose that genre? Like, where where did you come to that choice? Wow. It, <laughs> it, that question the way ja- it was and drink some more it's it's Jacqueline Carey's fault and I've actually told her this I I used to run a Jacqueline Carey role-playing game via email for about five years it was officially sanctioned by her and it was based in her Kushiel books Oh, wow. So if you're not familiar with Kashiel's Dart, Kashiel's uh, Chosen, Kushiel, uh, the entire Kashiel verse, uh, there's a lot of sex. The main character in the first three books is a prostitute. Very cool. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of kinky sex. And in the game, there was a lot of sex. There was a lot of kinky sex. And all, five published writers came out of this. Wow. Oh, well done. Because it was entirely story driven. You wrote your part of the story, you passed it off and you tagged people in and then they wrote their part of the story. And we did this for five years and this, you really honed your writing chops doing this. And um, in the middle of it, I, you know, I'd been talking to Jacqueline back and forth via email because it was an officially sanctioned game. And she was a guest at a convention where uh, where we were attending. Uh, and we had actually just moved to Florida. We made a trip back up to Maryland to see her at this convention. And my son was three months old at the time. And we took her out to dinner and, you know, we I had time just time to just sit and talk with her. And she's a lovely, wonderful person. And I love her immensely. Um, flash forward 10, 10 years. She was a guest here at SFSE, which was a which was a local convention in Maitland. It only happened once. She was a one day guest. They flew her in for, I think, the Saturday. 
and she came over to the table and I showed her the books that I had worked that I had. And then I showed her the young man of mine who was sitting behind the table and said, Jacqueline, do you remember when we had dinner at Darkover and you kept forgetting there was a baby in the carriage at the table? She's like, yeah. Jacob, come here and say hi to Miss Jacqueline. Oh, wow. She's 10 oh, at, the wow. Point, at that point. And she looked at him and looked at me and went, you're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, I, sh- I, I, I could show her my table. I had four books out at that point, I think. And say, I would not have had this career if it had not been for you encouraging us to play in your sandbox. So this is all your fault. Thank you. That is awesome. It's it's very cool where you can get inspiration. You said role-playing game, and a very um, dear friend and sometimes co-host, J.M. Paquette, her first um, uh, published novel that wasn't academic was based on the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game that we were in. Cool. And I think that the amount of creativity that can come out of role-playing games is... Mm -hmm unbelievable you know i um and, i also encourage a lot of writers like don't be afraid to write fan fiction it's a oh, great I way to exercise that. you don't have to create characters or create a world so it lightens the load and you can really hone in mm. on your skills and ironically tarot cards uh there's like people who use tarot card readings to help them to make decisions in their plots and characters. I've seen so, character development done with tarot cards, and there are actually classes in that. I've never done it. Um, yeah. But I have friends who swear by it. Uh, well, knowing that I write speculative smut, um, and I make sure my son's schools know that I write this, they still trust me to come in and talk to the middle school um, in, you know, English classes. I do this once a year. I'm usually there for the entire day, and I talk to like six or eight classes. And I always, always encourage them to write fan fiction because it is a largely safe, depending on your fandom, um, playground to learn characterization, to learn plotting, to learn pacing, to learn story structure. You learn by doing. I also encourage them to do Camp Nano and uh, the NaNoWriMo Jr. uh, But usually when I... Uh, when I go into classes, it's in November, so usually it's, you know it's halfway through Nano. So, but I tell the teachers get them to do this because you learn so much by just doing. And I oh. tell people, you know, we all have to write that million words of crap. Get it out of the way now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. And don't publish it necessarily. <laughs> don't don't publish it. Necessarily, don't no. don't put a weird cover on it and publish it. Please and thank you. Um, uh, Hashtag use an editor. Okay. So, um, because we've all run into that. Okay. So you you write this. I think, um, so how many books have you published now? Uh, Out in the wild. I've sold 15. There are 14 out in the wild. There are, I think, seven more in various stages of slush, I think it's seven. I always she forget. Sounds like me. <laughs> uh, well, I always lose count because it's like picking out your favorite child. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always the one standing right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. This is my yeah. favorite. But, uh, and I'm about to finish 
another one. I'm about to finish book three in my ongoing serial. Uh, as in, um, I think there's like two chapters left and one of them, I just need to finish that up. So very cool. So, so do you, um, are you a hundred percent traditionally published then basically? No, I'm a hybrid. Uh, I started okay. self-publishing with this serial, which is done, um, it, this the the book the picture that I sent you with my bottle and my books, uh, written in water and forged in fire are both being written in real time. This entire series is being written in real time on my Patreon, one chapter a week, every week. I have not missed a week in almost wow. two years. Wow! Wow! Uh, and book three is almost done. It should come out in print and in ebook in. I'm hoping for May. I have to see how the editing process goes. But what I do is I write them. My husband, who is my first reader, reads through it, does you know whatever edit, you know does some editing, and then it goes right up. So it's pretty raw when it hits the Patreon. And then when everything's done, we compile it as a book. We edit it again, and then it goes up. Very uh, cool for, for sale. So and the patrons, my patrons, get copies of the finished book. So they see the entire process. They see how the sausage gets made. Everything happened for this series on the Patreon. The world building, the character creation, everything. That is awesome. Wow. And I it's, like that it's been now, so much fun. And missing it, some awesome Patreon uh, activity. Oh, it's, it, I, I, I really enjoy Patreon to the point of this, this series is slated for four books. I'm going, I'm already going, what the heck am I going to do when I finish Heir to the Firstborn with the series? Um, what am I going to do on the Patreon? I need to come up with another idea. <laughs> no, that is actually, you're the first author I've talked to that's doing something like that. And I think that's actually really brilliant. I'm, I, I have a couple of people I follow art, like, uh, um, I, whatever painter, artist, digital uh, yeah, I'm not even saying that correctly. Not ri written word artists <laughs> that are on visual there, but artists. it's yeah, visual artists. Thank you, thank you, Jin, for failing me. While thank you. So as I yell at my cup, what went in this green ginger wine? And it's ginger and whiskey. So I'm I I thought it was wine. I honestly <laughs> thought it was wine. No, I'm hitting the hard stuff this early in the morning. <laughs> I love it because you poured yourself a really big cup of that. I did. <laughs> I didn't look it up till after I poured it. <laughs> oh, a woman after my own heart. But I think the um, Patreon and getting your artwork and allowing your fans to interact with you, that's a brilliant way to allow fans to interact because the feedback I think you can get from especially your real diehard readers, the ones that are like, this is my favorite author, because, you know, you all, I feel like you can almost get like what they their love is of the parts of the story and the characters, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, which I had, I, I had one, one patron who told me, uh, as I was, ra as I was, you know, getting to the dark moment in, uh, forged in fire in book two, she's like, look, I, I have to tap out. I'm not going to be able to finish reading this. I'm not going to stop not being a patron. I just can't read this. Let me know when it's done because she couldn't, <laughs> it, it got a little bit wow. too dark for her with the character that she liked an awful lot. 
because I am notorious when for when I really, really like a character, I treat them horribly. They, My favorite characters are the ones who I would not want to meet in a dark alley because they'll hurt me. <laughs> no, that's I think that's brilliant. And it's awesome that she said that because I think fan feedback it's, it's kind of interesting. Like when you do any sort of product and you're marketing any sort of product, you have to go, who are the consumers? What, mm-hmm. what do they want from that product? Like, do they want dill flavored Doritos? Like, is that truly a thing? And it's interesting because you see more and more products doing surveys and putting out test batches of their stuff and then going, okay, this is the one that actually got like the biggest sales, even though we thought dill pickle was great. It turns out it was marshmallow fluff Doritos and therefore we're making all of those that's coming by the way, hashtag Doritos. If you use that, I will charge you. Um, (laughs) Hashtag, please don't use that. (laughs) Yeah. You say that, but that's probably something that would sell ridiculously. I think it's it's important for an author to realize, yeah. Um, because sometimes it feels like you're writing and throwing content out there and and, and nothing's happening. Oh, you're, you're, you're it, writing it, in an echo chamber. Yeah, you'd right. have no feedback. Right. So the, it's great that your Patreon uh, is active. That's a great way because social media, sometimes things get watered down and drowned a lot. What I found surprisingly was when my marketer got on my butt in 2018 and was like, where, where the hell's your email newsletter? And I'm like, uh, that's a thing still? It is a thing. I started getting mountains of emails back of them responding to things, whether it was about, hey, guys, things are going to have to be pushed back because personal life blew up. Just getting those emails of, yeah, stay strong. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it is amazing to be able to contact with those readers. I, I don't have a newsletter but I do get all, I, I'm active on Instagram, I'm active on Twitter, I'm active on Facebook, and I get a lot of feedback that way. My Instagram, a large part of it is my workout pictures because I um, I will do like 90 day workout challenges. I do yoga. I do I, I exercise a lot, especially now because it's helping keeping me sane. And I get a lot of people, a lot of feedback on my workout pictures. I also get a lot of creepers on my workout pictures, but those get the block button. Yes. Yes. Um, I, you're blocking fans. Okay. I'm not. Well, I'm not blocking fans. I'm blocking. Guys, I'm blocking. You know, single generals from uh, Guam. I think it was. Who? Wow. I've never seen you before, but I love you. <laughs> well, this is not as creepy as Jeff Strands. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh my God, that's so true. What? <laughs> Oh, this well, is apparently a story I don't know. Did, did. Okay, so it goes into being around fans, and we should hear uh, what it's like for you being around fans. He had a fan dress up like him and go take pictures from the locations I believe he um, grew up in, right? Or was it grew up or grew yeah. up in or went to college and was went writing? To college and, and stuff, and college. wore the same picture and like literally did. The dress strand tour. Like <laughs> yes. I don't think I've had a stalker yet. Um, <laughs> now, but I do have people who I have ha- I have fans who think that because I write about sex, that means I'm going to want to have sex with them immediately on meeting. So uh, that's I not a thing. On- 
well, why are we doing this podcast? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, the worst was getting hit on by one of my son's teachers. Ooh, wow. My book. And um, this teacher was eventually fired by Seminole County uh, for uh, inappropriate behavior to another teacher. And they actually had documentation. But when he did it to me, it was outside. There were no cameras. There was no witnesses. It was my word against his. Uh, and when I reported it, nothing happened. Oh, wow. So yeah. that, that, that's been the worst of it. Because, you know, when I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I've been married for 23 years so and uh, it doesn't stop some people no, but then again there's a band hammer <laughs> no and I think that you know it's interesting when you talk about uh, fans because I think a lot of times people you know people read erotica and romance I think generally for escapism I don't mm. think a lot of people read it just you know, to get ideas and stuff like that. Although anybody listening, you absolutely should read it to get ideas because damn, we can write sex scenes. But, yeah, but we, our uh, books are not instruction manuals. Okay. Um, <laughs> what if what if no, we put a diagram? No, just kidding. <laughs> if you want an instruction manual, I can make some recommendations. Mine are not instruction manuals. Yes, but I not think that... Not want to be bothered by an automaton. No. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> No, we <laughs> here at Drinking with Authors, we do not recommend you do that. <laughs> so, um, but when you talk about fantasy, I think that's the interesting line is when people get it blurred and also don't realize that you're, even as the author, you're not that character. Kind of like the actors, when you meet actors, you think they're mm -hmm. like, I have a couple actors that I absolutely um, love as the actor. Them, like the character they play and then I followed them on social media and I really wish I hadn't done that because oh my god they're yeah nothing, they're nothing like their character not that they were rude or bad but like they're these really strong very like muscular cool dudes and then they're like hey we want to save the dolphins and I'm like what what the fuck is happening right now where's my I, bad boy like <laughs> I, I I did a convention years ago uh, up in up in Maryland, it was called Syndicon. It was a it was Highlander Forever Night, Highlander Forever Night, and something else. I forget what the third fandom was, but they had the entire cast of Highlander there. The movie or the TV show? The TV show. Okay. The TV show. So Adrian Paul. Mm hmm. I came out of this convention never able to watch the show again because Adrian Paul was an asshole. And that's unfortunate. Um, he uh, insisted that his fan club have uh, a table in the dealer's room. The dealer's room was already full, but he would not show up if his, if his fan club did not have a table in the dealer's room. He then showed up. So they squeezed another table in. The fire marshal would have fainted. Yeah. Oh, man. Then he showed up at this table for an unannounced, unsecured signing. And there was a riot in the dealer's room. Great. That sounds very productive. Yeah. Uh, that was that was Friday. Saturday, he there was a had they had a cast signing. Mm -hmm. And everybody it was a ticketed signing. You had a time you needed to show up. Everybody, you know, and I was working security. Everybody signed up for the Highlander cast, and it was you're supposed to go through the line and get everybody's signature. 
he pulled it in total prima donna, wanted his own line. So we had to pull everybody who wanted his signature out of the collective line, set up a separate line, and then they had to get back on the on the line to get everybody else. And then half an hour into his signing, he left. He left the hotel. He left the convention. We didn't see him again. Wow. Wow. That is absolutely a shitty person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Elizabeth Grayson, who played Amanda. Yeah. She is a beautiful soul through and through. She found out that that, that the convention had an art show. And that the art show benefited children's charity. She does stained glass as a hobby. Oh, wow. She brought several large pieces of stained glass that she had made and donated them to the convention to sell in the art show to benefit the charity. Wow. See, that's that's, that's what a celebrity that. needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, we... Yeah, that is never good. And, you know, we have to take a break in a second, but I think that makes the point, and I'd like to touch on a little bit when we come back, about interacting with your fans, even Mm -hmm. the mildly, not the super crazy ones, but the mildly crazy fangirl (laughs) kind of fans or fanboy kind of fans. I think it's important to remember these are the people that are buying your books. Yes. These are the people that are supporting your career in whatever version of your career it is, whether it's a part-time gig or a full-time gig. And you have to, you don't have to um, play into their fantasies or play into their weirdness, but you do have to remember they're buying your books and you have to treat them with respect Mm -hmm. unless it crosses a line where they're crazy pants and then you can not do that. But I think that if you forget for one moment that that's who's paying your bills, basically. Right. Right. And you know, I, I love my fan base. They are they are wonderful people who let me stay at home and be here, you know, for my son. I homeschooled my son for three years. Being a full time writer, let me do that. My fans let me do that. Uh, well, and my husband let me do that <laughs> <laughs> because I will be honest. Writing is wonderful, but it's a really good way to go bankrupt fast. <laughs> That is very true. That is very true. Okay, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk about going bankrupt really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, Want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news? You can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. We're not getting, you know. Okay, so we're talking about um, crazy fans or fans in general. So um, do you do a lot of conventions? Do you a lot of, do you, do you do a lot of in-person meet and greets and stuff like that? I'm gonna. It's fine. I can back it up. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I do two to three a year. Um, I go to science fiction conventions. Um, Oasis when it happens in Orlando. Uh, I will go out to Tampa to Necronomicon. There's a little bitty convention that just started at Kaiser University here in Orlando, and um, I was supposed to do that, but it's been pushed back to June. 
Uh, and I was doing Indie Book Fest, but with the change of date, well, it's Orlando Reads Books now. But yeah. with the change of date, I can't make this year. Uh, oh, that's unfortunate. We could have hung out and you could have come to drink at our party. We have a party yeah. happening. Yes. Yeah, it, with it moving to the end of August, uh, it's my son's starting high school this year and pulling him out of school for those couple of days that we would be down at the hotel at the beginning of his first year of high school, that really wasn't an option. And it's not cost effective for just me to go because my husband is also my you know assistant. So it doesn't it does it wouldn't have worked out for us this year. Hopefully next year we'll see. I'll be, I'll be able to do it next year, but this year we're taking a year off. I do love and, that convention. And, it's very and I need to look books at the beach. I'm doing books at the beach next year. I had to look at the name. It's on my Kanban board over there. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I, I I look at various and sundry. I've I've traveled for conventions. I've gone up to Maryland um, to do conventions. Have you gone to uh, Dragon Con? I haven't. I I applied for Dragon Con and didn't get in. And I, 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 I'm trying to work myself up to do MegaCon because that level of people makes me nervous. <laughs> oh, I've done MegaCon several years, so I totally understand. We're actually um, <laughs> MegaCon decided to 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 post their move their thing to the beginning of June, and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So yeah. we'll see if they move it again. Year. Yeah, luckily it's the week after. It's either the week before or the week after Kaiser Supercon. So I'm not going to have a conflict with that one. Um, I might go to Megacon because Weird Al is going to be there. Well, we're going to have a panel. So um, I host a panel every year. So I will invite you to be on the panel. And then you'll have no choice but to come because you're yeah. a right. guest we're of okay. honor. <laughs> and you can come to the, the wordier than thou booth and 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 hawk your wares so oh, to that'd speak be awesome <laughs> yeah so you don't you have to worry about that when you're sober. <laughs> that's that's fine I, I i stick to my agreements you'll love it i love having guests i love doing panels i love having audience um get to know new authors that they don't know themselves and also have a chance to have fans i love seeing fans interact mm -hmm. with their favorite authors it's one of my favorite things yeah, I'm getting to the point in my career where I am starting to see people who come and look for me at the conventions, which is fun, um, because they've been people who've been buying me since uh, my second book and who will see me at readings and who will, you know, look at me, look, look me up at conventions. I had when when uh, RWA National Convention was in Orlando, I was I participated in the literary signing. Mm hmm. And I had two books up on my table. You were allowed to. And one of them had the night before tick second place in the Prism Award for fantasy, futuristic, and paranormal. Uh, for the Look, there I go. The fantasy, futuristic, <laughs> and paranormal chapter of the Romance Writers of America. It took wow, that is a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a mouthful. Um, and I'm sitting at my table, and I've got my, my, my prize winner, and I've got my other book. And... Somebody comes past, and I'm like, you look familiar. She comes back, stops, look at me, goes, I remember you from SFSE. How you doing? Because she had bought my book, House of Sable Locks, when she saw me in Maitland at SFSE. And she's like, I really like that book. I need this one. 
<laughs> so, and now I've seen her at uh, Indie Book Fest. I've seen her at uh, at Oasis. And I haven't seen her at Necronomicon, but uh, maybe she doesn't go to Tampa. I don't know. Necronomicon. That's been a fun convention. I I was there the last year they allowed live action role playing. Okay. I was one of the reasons they no longer allow live action role playing, but but that's a different podcast. So um, <laughs> let's talk about your writing process. Yes, what's your writing process? Like, do you prefer to write series or standalones? How does the idea come up? Well, I used to think I couldn't write a series. I used to think it's like I could not carry a story through multiple books. And then I wrote my dystopian series, my very dark dystopian series that nobody likes. Um, and I wrote the first book, and I, it's a, that's one of my traditionally published ones. And I sent it to the publisher, and she's like, okay, where's the rest of the story? Something happens after, you know, you, you, you wrapped it up nicely here, but they're not done. Where's the rest of the story? Nice. Um, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. So I sat down, and I figured out what the rest of the story was. And those were the first two books I ever sold on spec. Because I sent her the, the synopsis. And she's like, okay, here, have some contracts. Write these books. What That's was nice. Yeah. What was interesting is this same day I signed the contracts for, you know, that two book contract was the day I signed the papers to homeschool my son. Oh, so wow. Those books were written while I was juggling homeschooling. So it was fun. Um, it's a very dark series and most people can't get past the first book because there is a very graphic rape scene in it that is essential to the plot to the point of I tried to gloss over it and the uh, and the editor yelled at me, told me not to be a chicken shit. If you're going to write the scene, write the damn scene. Yeah, I'm going to say J.R. Ward starts uh, the Black Dagger Brotherhood in, on a similar uh, offshoot. So sometimes you need to jolt the reader mm-hmm. to get there. And because it, it's not going to exactly be uh, a smooth ride through the it, rest of the series. Yeah, Council of the Wicked is really the darkest thing I've ever written. Uh, I'm proud of it. It is a good book. It is a solid book. My readers do not like it. It is not like anything else I've ever written. Wow. And it's interesting you say that because um, you. I think authors... Um, get the idea sometimes in their head, but they have to back to what I'm saying is remember their readership. That doesn't mean don't put out books that you love and stuff like that Mm -hmm. too. But just remember if you go off path sometimes, Oh yeah. Your ship is like, um, yeah, I don't want to go over there. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I, and I, and I respect the people that say, you know, this is too dark for me. And I realized that I went all in on the dark. Um, the entire series does wrap up on on uh, does wrap up well. It's uh, everybody's happy at the end. Well, everybody who survives is happy at the end. Um, All two of them. Just kidding. <laughs> Both of them are very happy at the end. But it's it's really dark and it is very different for my writing, and it's not something I've ever been able to replicate either. Not that I've tried. <laughs> that level of darkness was uncomfortable for me to write. It's uh, yeah. so it's not something I'm going to do again. 
I think it's a, a, a sign of a great author when you know that this isn't your normal writing or style, but you chase the rabbit down the hole because mm-hmm. that's where the story and characters are taking you. Oh, and yeah. It's and the massive difference between aiming to write for market and writing to tell the story. I, I don't write to market because market is this is what was hot when they were buying two years ago. That's true. That's market true. doesn't mean anything in terms of current unless you're looking at what's being what's popular in the indie world because the indie world has a faster turnaround for publishing. Absolutely. If you look at traditional publishing and what's selling now, it's what was they were buying two years ago. At least two years ago. So writing to market is um, it's writing advice that I will say, no, don't don't even just write the story you're gonna write. Write your story. And if it's good, someone's gonna buy it. And if it and, and if nobody buys it, then you can self-publish it because you have that market now. Um, I'm going to be I wrote a four book series mm-hmm. uh, based that that intertwines gaslight fantasy and the the legends of Charlemagne and Roland, starting with the Song of Roland. And I pulled in Ro, you know Song of Roland and Orlando Furioso and right. um, Roland at Saragossa and all of these legends. So you wind up with this really weird duck of a series that jumps back and forth in time because you have the the parts that are happening in 1898 in Aachen, Germany, in Paris, in England, and then you have the parts that are happening in 772 and 778 and all of that. Nobody would touch it. I've been been shopping this series around for two years. Nobody would touch it. So I'm self-publishing it. And... It's a series. This was a passion project, and I worked on it for a while. And these books are—they're my babies. I'm really proud of them. Uh, And the funny thing is, is I just sent book one out to a professional editor Mm -hmm. because the way the timelines work, they're non-contiguous, or at least the 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 Carolingian parts are non-contiguous. First book jumps from 772 to 776 to 778. The second book is 774. The third book is 778, set between two parts of that show up in book one. So I needed somebody else to look at them and say, okay, you contradicted something in book three that happened in book one in this prior part of the timeline. So I hired a professional editor. I just got a note back from her going, not, not, not for nothing, and I appreciate your business, but why did you hire me? This book doesn't need it. <laughs> but you need that reassurance. There's and, and no that's way I, to and, know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I told her is I need someone who has not seen these manuscripts before to make sure the timelines all agree. And she's like, oh, okay, send me the other three. Because this was the first book that I sent to her. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she wanted to do it on a book by book basis. So I'll hear back from her probably next month and then I'll be able to start. Excuse me. The um, I may sit on those till later in the year, right? And bring them out toward you know in the fall and the winter, so that way I can focus more on the marketing for the uh, the heir to the firstborn books, uh, and for that and focus on writing that Wild West thing we're doing together, Val. 
Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. I'm in it, too. Eric is oh, in it, okay, too. All right. I'm, I'm Dahlia Lance. People don't okay. know that all the time, but that's me, Succubus. <laughs> Succubus, yeah, I've got my wandering Jew. <laughs> yeah, and I've got the, the, the silent mariachi uh, windigo. So I'm, I'm so excited about that box. Yeah, set. I've, so. I've, I've got, I'm doing the research on that. Uh, I spent like three hours over the past couple of days going, are there fireflies in biblical is in near the Sea of Galilee in biblical times? Because I was writing, I was writing like the first scene, and it's like I, th- those are the kind of things that always trip me up. In yeah. in Swords of Charlemagne, this the, 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 this four book series, I spent like a day and a half trying tracking down a train table from 1898 to find out if there was a train that went directly from Aachen. To um, not wasn't Nuremberg Salzburg. Was there a train that went directly from one to the other? And if there was, how long did it take? And if there wasn't, how would you do connections? Would they need to make, and how long would it take? Because knowing me and knowing my readership, and the fact that I have a very wide swath of, of 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 readers with varied interests i will trip on that train buff who will go there's no train if i made it a direct you know train from one <laughs> yeah i hate love- those knowledgeable fans damn I, them i, I love i love <laughs> knowledgeable fan they make me work no Definitely. no I, I think it's very true and that goes to a point of um, doing research. So you, you obviously do a lot of research, which is great. Do you consider yourself a plotter or a pantser or a hybrid? I'm, I'm a planter. I, I will plot. I have, I will write long detailed synopsis, and then my characters will laugh at them and go that way. <laughs> and I will finish a book and it'll like, okay, it ended where I thought it was going to, but the rest of it has absolutely no resemblance to the synopsis that I wrote. <laughs> That's awesome. They're, they're like, we'll give you the ending you wanted. But yes, you could have the ending. We're taking, you know, <laughs> we're not taking the my synopsis is written by ways, <laughs> you know, it, it's okay. We're going to tell, tell you how to get there, but it may not be the best route. <laughs> No, I think that's that's brilliant. Um, how long does it take you to uh, get a book done? Like, on average, I write two books a year. Um, okay. I will write like a mad thing from August to December. Take you know, take the holidays off, and then I will write again like a mad thing from January to May. My writing schedule tends to follow the school schedule, so that way I have the summer off. And my family will be is probably laughing in the background now. Me, summers off. No, summers are for plotting. <sighs> summers are usually for plotting and research and planning out what I'm going to start in August once school starts. Uh, when I was homeschooling, it was I was writing like mad whenever my son had classes that I wasn't teaching or was doing uh, math, which was an online program, or after bed. After he went to bed, I would, like, write like a mad thing. Uh, but usually I will come out with two books a year, maybe three if the if, if they're shorter. 
Do you still write short stories? Occasionally, yeah. I just sent one in for a um, a superhero anthology call that uh, River, Riverdale Avenue Books is doing. Uh, and, you know, it, it's superheroes where the villain is actually the hero. Oh, wow. I so, love, yeah. I love that. So, much. Yeah, so I had been listening um, again to Dr. Uh, Dr. Horrible's Sing Along Blog. Oh, I love Dr. Horrible's Sing Along Blog. <laughs> so, the title of this, to- of this story is Time for No Mercy. And you have the, um, she refers to herself as a recreational anarchist. <laughs> which is what I was referring to myself as during a lot of the RWA mess. <laughs> I was a recreational anarchist. I live tweeted the last RWA board meeting before the board quit. Oh, oh wow. Um, Oof. And I, I have to say not for nothing, but that was the best sales day I'd had all year. Weird how that worked. Recre- <laughs> recreational anarchy pays off. Definitely. Everyone uh, listening should note that down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's very hard to publish from jail. Remember that. Sponsored superhero. Yeah. And I can't even remember what I called him anymore, but uh, he was very clearly modeled on Captain Hammer. And then you have... uh, you know the bad guy. You know the the, the bad girl, rather. She's uh, who's a sci- she's a scientist. She's trying to fix things in the world, and the corporations are trying to stop her because they can't make a profit on her. Oh wow! So that's uh, that's time for no mercy. I'm waiting to hear back on that one. And if it if they don't buy it, then I'm gonna you know, then I'll t- I'll self publish it and put it out for a buck because you know it's fun. Oh, I think that's the best route to go, and I love that self publishing allows people to do that obviously i i would like them to be skilled and have an editor but i mean oh yeah uh, it's it's i think that it has opened up a whole world of publishing that didn't exist previous because not every author necessarily gets to um have a story like yours where you have a publishing company that goes yes please we would like to have you Mm-hmm. I think more often than not, most people cannot go the traditional publishing route. Yeah, I, I I was lucky. I A large part in publishing is luck. It's hitting the right note at the right, right time. time. And yep. my career would circle it, which is still ongoing. I mean, I had they I uh, I said I had I have 15 books sold four of them. 14 of them are out. The 15th is currently under contract with circle it. I have three more in slush with them. And then I have the, this four book series that uh, doesn't quite fit the, you know, the swords of Charlemagne that doesn't quite fit their needs uh, because it's not sexy enough. Right. Um, and it's not quite a romance because you wind up with, you know, it, it like I said, it's a weird duck. Uh, it's a weird duck of a series. And I think uh, with self-publishing, the advantage we sometimes have is that we can push out a book and it could be years ahead of a trend that we don't even know is coming. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden we wake up one morning and we're like, why did I just sell six books out of the blue? I haven't been marketing that one. You know, so oh, it's yeah. kind of a you're always taking a chance 
And I think thanks to the self-publishing that we've we've made the entire publishing industry really rethink how they push out their, their quality of work, the topics in which they're covering. Mm-hmm. To It's okay to be more diverse. You know, I think we, we were part of that big breaking the dam down a little bit, and we still oh, are. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting seeing things that are starting to creep into mainstream publishing from, in, from indie publishing and from mm-hmm. fan fiction. Absolutely. It absolutely kills me that reverse harem is a big thing in romance these days because that was a fan fiction thing. Right. Yeah. Big time. And it's a big genre in Japan anime and Japanese anime for years, mm-hmm. for decades, in fact. So. No, it's true. Um, do you uh, have any writing um I call them little things that we tend to do when we're as a writer that we catch ourselves doing. What are your little fun habits that, yeah, that, that right there, whatever you're just smiling about. That's what I want to know. Every time I hand a new manuscript to my husband, he looks at it, looks at me and says, how am I going to show up in this book? (laughs) 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 Because there will be quirks one-liners, something that he'll look at it and go, you put me in here again. But it's things that only he would know as him. Oh, right. I do the same thing. <laughs> like, everyone's like, I love this line. And I'm like, you can thank my husband for that line. <laughs> <laughs> How does your husband feel about being written into the stories? It amuses the heck out of him. Uh, I just handed him a new manuscript. I finished it about a week or two ago, and he finished it last night. And he came downstairs uh, because I was working. I was I was working down. I wasn't working in my office last night. I was downstairs, and um, he came in. He came in, and he's like, "I'm not sure how I feel about being in this one quite so much because apparently I put him in there more than usual." <laughs> Wow. He's your muse. He has to be part he of it. Is, well, after 23 years, he's, you know, muse, inspiration, better half. Um, yeah, we, we've been married 23 years together, almost 26. Wow. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, well, he does tend to show, he does tend to creep into my subconscious quite a bit. <laughs> do you? And then um, that comes up on the page. Are there any genres that you don't feel comfortable writing? I don't do horror um, because it scares me. (laughs) Uh, I I, I would be very amused if I ever showed up writing something like a YA or a middle grade. I would have to use a pen name. Um, People yelled at me about writing the Heir to the Firstborn series, the Patreon serial, because it's new adult and it's got a fade to black in it is no explicit sex. And they're like, well, you have to use a pen name because you're going to confuse your readers. My readers are smarter than that, you know, and it's selling brilliantly. So apparently I'm really good at uh, fade to black, which is after, you know, 10 years of writing other stuff, writing explicit is surprising. Um, well, I also think it depends on how well you label that book. Like, if you make it clear that this is not 
in the same vein as the mm-hmm. other. I, I did. The, the um, readers will separate and know which to touch, which not to touch, because you're going to rely on your description, your blurb, and how you design that cover heavily at that point. Yeah. And the covers on uh, on the, the Heir to the Firstborn serial are... Uh, they're imagery heavy, so it, there's no people on them. There's like people on every other cover I've ever done, but uh, the reason they're the, these are imagery heavy is because I did them. <laughs> uh, you made the, your own covers. I did my own covers for the Heir to the Firstborn series. I've got all four done, and what's interesting is that blue, that seascape on written in water. You've seen the cover was in the picture that I sent. Yes, I took that picture. Oh, very cool. Um, That picture was actually taken off of the back of the Disney fantasy at dawn off of the offshore at Castaway Key because I was up that early because I was running in the the 5K. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So I, I, I couldn't find a stock photo of water that I really liked for written in water. So I went back through my vacation pictures and went, I'm going to use that one. And then I had to crop out like the rail because I was too close to the uh, to the ship rail. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some interesting cropping going on with that picture, but it came out really nice. I'm sitting here looking at it, going, "Yeah, I took that." <laughs> no, that's awesome. I think um, it's interesting. Uh, I, real quick before we have to wrap up, how much input did you get to have on the covers of your books through the traditional publisher? Uh, Circlet has actually given me a lot of input into, uh, what's going on, uh, what I, what goes on the cover, uh, the cover for House of Sable Locks, I actually found that stock image and sent it to Circlet and went, what about this? And they went, oh, we hadn't seen that one yet. So we went with that. And, uh, every, every other cover I've either had, I've either had input into, what was going on? I was involved in the process. Excuse me. Or I had a very long questionnaire. This is with the uh, the uh, the series that I had through uh, Forbidden Fiction, the dystopian one. They sent me a long questionnaire that give us a description of the character. Show us the description in the text. Give us an ex- an excerpt of the text where you describe the character. Any distinguishing features, any you know, any distinguishing symbols from the story, things like that. The cover artist actually for those books actually asked me to draw a map. Oh wow! So, and that map is the background for the cover art. They she took it and she did all of the image imagery on it, and I absolutely adore those covers. Because she took all of those descriptions and all of the excerpts and all of the things that I told her, and she put it into the and she put it in. That's fantastic. That is a, a rare occurrence. It my is. Friend, it is in a the rare publishing occurrence. World. And <laughs> sadly, Forbidden Fiction has gone out of business. But I'm wow. really going to miss working with their art director because she was amazing. That's wow. that's. You're very lucky. Okay. How do people find you? Got to wrap up. How do people yes. find you, my friend? How people find me on Twitter. I am E.A. Schechter on Twitter. Uh, Schechter spelled S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. It's Yiddish and fun. Um, 
<laughs> I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Patreon. Again, at EA Schechter. Uh, Patreon.com backslash EA Schechter. Uh, I, I am everywhere on social media. The only thing I don't have right now is a TikTok, and I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I, w- I, don't, I don't know if I'd go there. I'm, I'm a, I'm I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, most of my luck. social media is used for marketing purposes. So, um, yeah, I will. What as I get as I have book covers ready, as I, as I have books coming out. Ooh, I'm starting to feel that now. Uh, yeah, drink about <laughs> more than half of that, and all of a sudden, whoosh! There it goes. <laughs> um, as I have books coming out, as I have covers coming out as I do cover reveals that those will start showing up on all my social media I'm most active I think on Twitter uh because I I do the daily tarot draw I do a lot of RWA stuff uh talking about the current state of because uh Val I don't think you know this but I am now a director at large on the RWA board I was elected in the special election two weeks ago and we have hit the ground running so um that's that's eating a lot of my time too yeah well uh, as a RWA member that I can breathe a little easier it sounds like they've got the right people in charge now The, the we have a very solid board now uh, and some of the names that were on there, I was, it, when I saw the winner, who had won the election mm-hmm. and the percentages by which they had won, that Laquette was voted as a director at large with 80% of the vote. And I was like, yes, because she's awesome and amazing. Yeah. Uh, and all of the people who are on that, almost all of the people who are in the board now who are who are uh, active as directors at large who are active in the executive committee are people who fought like hell to keep the RWA to pull us out of the death out spiral the death. we were in yes. so there will be changes coming and that's all i really can say <laughs> well and on that note this Thank you for joining us. Has been drinking with authors. Thank so, you for having me. This has been fun, and I'm probably going to go take a nap now. <laughs> you have no yeah. choice but to stay around for another episode. Another so, episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been your host, Erica Lance, and with me is Valerie Willis, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. And I super want to thank our amazing guest. Yes. It's been a lot of fun to be with you, and uh, I'm Liz Schechter, and I will, you know, you find me on the, find me in the great weird web. (laughs) Absolutely. So we will see you next time, guys.